Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Forza Italian Football podcast. What a weekend that was. Match day five, Serie A, it was a very big one, a very exciting one. Some unexpected results, some big results. A lot of fun was had. I'm Connor Clancy. I'm here with Ewan Burns. Burnsy, say hello. Hello, everybody. Did you enjoy the weekend's football before nine o'clock tonight? Yes, I did. That is very specific and important, but yes, I did. I'm very pleased for you, for the most part. Kev Bukowski, you're also here. How are you keeping? I'm good. Yeah, it's been a good weekend. You've had a good time, yeah? Uh, yeah, always. Good. Always, I'm not so sure about, but we're also joined <laughs> by Vito Toria. Vito, how are you? I'm okay. Just a bit uh, curious about uh, Kevin Ewan's uh, choice of clothing, though. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you want to describe to the listeners what they've both shown up in tonight? Well, they are both in uh, Ellis Verona jersey. <laughs> which, which I think is totally undeserved. Like, Kev, do you, do you want to defend you two as the senior member of the of the pair? Well, I, uh, you, you know, you're usually complaining that I'm not wearing any clothes. So first, firstly, you should be. Yeah, you that, should that's be, true. This is better. It is you better. Should, yeah, so you should be happy. Um, but you know, I, I did purchase this only a little while ago from a, a pop-up classic uh, football shirts uh, store. Some of people would have seen me and Ewan uh, looking around the uh, the clothing racks. Uh, I can't remember when it was. Bank holiday Monday, something like that. Bank holiday Monday in the UK. Um, so yeah, I thought when I noticed that they were playing Samp, I thought I'll take, I'll chance my arm that Samp will lose because of how they started, and that I'd spend the day trolling Vito. But I don't think he was awake while the game was going on because I tagged him on as many of my tweets as he could, or I, I could, and uh, yeah, he, he he didn't he didn't sort of respond until He's slightly after the game. By now, Kev, to be fair, um, like ten years of being on the same yeah. site. I think I think you and going back and buying and you know a different Hellas Verona <laughs> yeah. shirt is worse than me buying the well, one. It, I was yeah. going to distance myself from you because um, I, you you, <laughs> you you planned to wear that for this recording. I joined the call wearing. What you did was worse. And then what I saw you, did you was way that. worse. Thought, All right, well, this will be funny. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you just waited for the big man to do it, and then you just followed like a yeah. followed like, like a little really lamb, yeah. <laughs> Where's Latan? You all right, Kev? <laughs> it's because you called me boss man on our, uh, on our on our call before, which is probably the the, the nicest thing you've ever called me. Um, I've called you plenty. Yeah, I've called you plenty. But yeah, Burns, are you you're a coward in this situation because you only bought the shirt after Kev had bought it, and well, you I came to the podcast recording originally not wearing it. What else did you buy? I bought a 
Dortmund pre-match shirt. It was highly financial-based decisions. Um, mm. my, my friend told me he can get me a big discount. So I found two of the cheapest things that fit and thought, right, I'll have those. Almost How regardless of who they were. It was 50. Whoa. So, so naturally, I picked two things that full price would equate to just over £30. And I got them for a lot cheaper. You've done well. You've done yeah. very Te- well. Te- technically, I did, but I just got one item. Um, <laughs> guys, there was a Milan derby. Can we get on with this now? No one. Right, fair enough. Let's get into it, shall we? Because match day five was a belter, as we said. We bigged up Saturday's games on the preview podcast. And, well, let's just say they didn't all live up to the expectations, but... One of them definitely did. I would argue that two did. Kicked off on Saturday afternoon. Fiorentina Juventus finished 1-1. Milan beat Inter coming from behind 3-2 at the Stadio San Siro before Napoli also came from behind at the Olimpico to beat Lazio 2-1. Cremonese got their first point on the board by drawing 0-0 at home to Sassuolo on Sunday morning. Spezia Bologna finished 2-2. Verona beat Sampdoria 2-1. Josh Dowig getting his first goal in Serie A, which is quite nice to see. And then Udinese beat Roma 4-0. Yes, 4-0. And there's still three games to come on Monday night. Monza hosts Atalanta. They're still the only pointless team left in Serie A, so you can put your bottom dollar on Monza getting a result against Atalanta tomorrow night. Salernitana Empoli and Torino Lecce. We've got to start with the derby because when it's played, We've got to begin with it. Vito, Inter took the lead somehow. I can't quite work out how they did take the lead, but undeservedly they had it, and it looked like they might upset Milan for a little bit. It it seemed that way, and also it was quite unusual that it was Brozovic that scored the goal. Considering how DP often plays in midfield, uh, I just think it's... Uh, I just think it's quite interesting that, uh, yeah, he was the one that was able to make the late run into the, you know, forward areas and that he scored the goal. It was a nice finish nonetheless. And he probably should have scored a bit earlier than that as well. So, yeah, it was uh, not a good look for Milan, who were able to keep an eye on uh, Lautaro and Correa, but uh, Brozo sort of slipped under the grasp for quite a bit. But uh, fortunately, they were able to turn it around Milan and yeah, it just took him less than seven minutes to equalize. I was amazed, Ewan, by how easily that Inter goal came because it started with Andanovic and I think there were four passes, maybe five at a push, but it just went straight down the center and Milan were completely carved open and Brozovic got in. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I think it was a case of everyone bar three players switched off, basically, because the way Lautaro held the ball up, which was fantastic, I think everyone on the pitch nearly, and myself included, not that I was on the pitch, um, just assumed there would be a free kick any second now. Mm. It felt like he was going to get pulled down. And he manages to flick it to Correa, and fair play to Correa, very quickly spots that run, plays it first time, and, and he's in. So I think it was just a total switch off from the entire midfield. And he was he was holding on to Lata. I think it was Tamori, so he's slightly excused. Um, but everyone else just did not track that run at all. And to be fair, the finish the finish is spot on. Like he, it was, he just did barely tried. You've been very kind to Correa to to give him credit for playing a pass that I think 
most of the people in attendance at the San Siro, myself included, would have been able to play. Yeah, because yeah. Milan's defence was so far apart. And Brozovic just strolled up through the centre. And it was one of those where Correa played the ball through. And everybody around just said, oh, well, how has this happened then? <laughs> and he's just in one-on-one. But yeah, it was it was a good finish from Brozovic. There's, there's not a lot going on for Paul Joaquin. So when, when he does... When he gets an assist, he should be bigged up for it because he's a great player when he's actually doing the right thing. He's just not, not often doing the right thing for Inter. Well, he does that about, for about 45 minutes every three months, doesn't he? Yeah. So, but you never know. You might, you might get a bit more out of him now, now that he's done an assist in a game they lost. I can safely say we will not see any more <laughs> than we've seen over the last few years out of Joaquin Correa, unfortunately. But... Milan came back. You want to stick with you for this? And it was deserved. I think they were excellent from start to finish, with the exception of probably that 30, 45 second run leading up to Inter's opening goal. And it didn't take them long to, to reassert their dominance over Inter. No, not at all. It was, it was one of those games where obviously the, the period of time that they were 2 1 or 3 1 up was very short. Um, but even despite that, it, it didn't feel like the game was ever really going to get away from them. I think Inter completely missed their chance to impose themselves on the game. Obviously, they, they got the goal. And then, you know, probably symptomatic of the fact they weren't playing well before the goal. They just they just did not seize it at all. And, um, you know, even though the, the first Milan goal kind of came from a gift where it was given away in midfield, it was going to happen anyway, I think. Yeah, well, the, the player who provided the assist to the um, the Milan opener, Tonali, you, you put something on on uh, on Twitter, Connor, because you were you were at the game saying about how Tonali was kind of running the midfield. But when I had the chance to watch it back on the TV, it kind of didn't didn't quite come across maybe as dominant as you were sort of making it sound. So I just wondered maybe you you probably you always do see more when you're when you're there and you can watch what's going on when the cameras aren't focused elsewhere. Um, I don't think it was quite that he was dominating the midfield, but it was just, like you say, I was spending a bit of time just watching him when Milan were out of possession. And the way he was predicting what Inter were going to do before they did it was just so impressive. And we saw it come to a head when he intercepted that pass from Chalonoglu, funnily enough. To, to set Leao free for the goal. And that was just a culmination of what had been happening for a few minutes before that. It seemed to be that every Inter pass that was played through the middle, Tonali was reading. And if he wasn't getting there, he had seen it. And it's just that the pass was perfect, that he couldn't get there in time. But there was a feeling that Inter were not going to play every pass 100% perfectly. And Tonali was going to get it. And it, it just so happened that the one pass he intercepted in the most dangerous area, he was able to play it to the best player on the pitch. And you and we've spoken about Rafael Leao so many times, but wow, he really put on a show this time. Oh my God, I love him. It was, I mean, we, we, we what, what was the goal we talked about the other week? Luis Alberto, where we talked about noises. This was another noise-making goal. Um, but it, out of interest, if you're in the press box and a goal like that goes in, how how long does it take you between seeing that goal to then actually start typing? Because I think it would take me a little while. I'd have to absorb it. <laughs> I I didn't type anything 
at that point because very <laughs> often like it depends on what you're doing after the match right fortunately mm-hmm. i didn't have anything that needed to be out on the final whistle so i had that bit of flexibility but i was trying to just put out you know tweets updating it and with the goals it had been easy enough goal went in take a picture post it but this one I had like an emotional reaction to because <laughs> you do get like ca- caught up in it and, and a little bit carried away at times. But when it's Leao in particular, I mean, how many times have we had conversations about how, how much we love him on this podcast, right? But he he's just a joy. And when he got that ball from Giroud, I remember first thinking, oh, th- this is the guy you want. You know, just in that position, just to the left of the box, he can shoot. He had a cider earlier that Andanovic had, palmed away very very early on in the game and then when you saw him going out on the outside you thought ah okay he's gonna get down and pull it back and then just with one move of his foot he had left Bastonian and Vray for dead and you just thought oh well this is the goal we know how this is going with, with the opener I was still a little surprised that he went first time with his left foot you know and it was it was a very powerful kind of the the way he almost side-footed it you know, a controlled yet powerful finish. But, you know, you should probably enjoy seeing him as much as you can this season because the way the UK broadcasters are sort of talking about him, it it, it feels very much like this could be his Serie A swan, swan song before bigger sides. And I'm not necessarily, you know, just UK-based, but if you think that... Phew, there would be probably some benefit in a couple of years at someone like PSG or whether any of the, the Spanish giants had enough money to wrestle him away from Italy. But it feels like Milan need to get as much out of him as they can um, for the next year. Maybe two, but it, it does feel like someone will come in for him if he performs like he did last season this campaign. It does feel like that, I'll be honest with you. Particularly with Chelsea, we're knocking on the door at the end of the transfer window. And I kind of got the feeling that had Chelsea come knocking a little bit earlier in the summer, they might have been able to get a deal there for Leao. But they they tried. I think the season had already started, hadn't it, by the time that became a thing. So that was never going to happen when it was being discussed. But yeah, if he leads them to another title, having been player of the season last year and then playing a big part again this year, I, I don't think any Milan fan would begrudge him the move. We've got to talk about the the pre-match displays, right? Because one of the best things about any derby is what the fans do. And it, it's very little to do with what happens on the pitch. Now, I'm guessing you've you've all seen what was put on in the Curva Nord and the Curva Sud. So I'm going to ask you first, we'll do it alphabetically. So we'll go you and Kev Vito. In a word, whose was better, Milan's or Inter's? Ewan. Milan. Kev? Yeah, I agree, Milan, because I can't remember, I can't really recall into this. I think I was, I was thinking, I think I was focusing on he Milan. He said one so word good. in a word. Oh, okay. So, we'll so get into, we'll get into it, but Vito. Milan. By the way, you know it's bad when Vito's calling you out, now, Kev? Like, come on. We, we, oh, he never does When it. does Vito do one word? <laughs> when you ask him to. <laughs> just, like, just there. But we should say, yeah, so the the inter one, Kev, you could probably see it now. It's a it's a man and a woman having a little kiss. Yes. And beneath it, it says, I, who loves only you. And it was quite nice. 
I thought it was good. But obviously Milan were the home team, so they had the three tiers to work with, and boy, did they make the most of all three of them. So they unveiled this massive choreography that went from the top to the bottom. And anybody that's been to San Siro knows just how big a distance that is. It was incredible. And it had a Milan fan in his shirt with his arms crossed, looking like a a bit of a like a cartoon school bully, right? Looking quite strong. And then beside him, there was a, I'm guessing this is an important detail, a slightly shorter boy in an inter shirt. And he's crying. And beneath it, it says Tradizione Merenghina, which apparently is Milan dialect, which just means Milanese traditions, Milan beating Inter, which I thought was a lovely little touch. It was belting. Now, I've got to say, they very nearly messed it up. And it would have been absolutely tragic, had they? But I was watching this unfold, and as it got to the third tier, that bit where you pass it from the second to the third is the trickiest bit of it all because it's going up. Whereas when it's going down, it's easy because gravity kind of sorts it out. But the Milan man's head, it wasn't being picked up by whoever was supposed to pick it up in the third tier. So the Interboy was there crying. And beside him, there was a headless Milan man. And it was very nearly a disaster. And when you think that they've been planning this for about two months, it would have been such a disappointment. But what a beautiful display that was. And we've got to say hats off to them. This this got me thinking when I saw these at the weekend about what is potentially the best derby for these displays. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, I'm already sold on it being Milan. I've been to the derby. There was a great one when I went in 2018. Um, a snake came out from Inter and yeah. appar- apparently Milan had got wind of this. So then there was these two hands snapping a snake yeah. in half. Um and and I've you know the well, I've done I've done I've done a couple of Rome derbies and I've done a couple of Genoa derbies, and they've been great, but but the Milan derby the, they seem to get it they get it right consistently. You know you don't have I, I can't remember the last time there was a year where there was like a bad pre-game choreography, and um, yeah I don't know if you've experienced others in Italy that are, are right up there, but it feels like this is the best for that if, if that's what agree. listeners are looking for completely agree i personally think that the the derby della lanterna is probably my favorite one to go to but in terms of the the choreography it, it, you do not beat the san zero and i think the shape and the size of it lend a hand to that as well i always think the the displays in the olympico never quite match it and i think the the bowl shape doesn't help that but <laughs> when i was at the last one lazio would I've clearly pre-planned to do with their mobile phone lights the Lazio across the um, across the oh. Nord, and they buggered up the last two letters. It was just this <laughs> mash of. I don't know if people that weren't supposed to have their phones up had suddenly lifted their phones up, mm. but it, yeah, there's a, there's a there's a picture that'll be in the book, everybody, uh, oh. <laughs> of them just absolutely screwing it up. Um, but yeah, that 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 made me that made me laugh at the time because the people around me in the in the curve said the Roman fans were just laughing at them. You know, they're trying yeah. to do this big display and they're just laughing at them. But yeah. Me and you never know when, you, when you're when you in it either. You don't know if it's looked good or not, right? It's it's mm. one of those difficult things. But on the on the Milan derby, I remember that one in, in 2018, if that's when it was. That was spectacular. The fact that Milan got wind of what Inter were going to do and reacted, it was amazing. But I remember we were at one. Now, I don't know if you were at this with us, Kev, but it was going back quite a while. And 
Inter did a... It finished nil-nil. This was like maybe 2014. And there were three disallowed goals as far as I remember. And Inter did this one where they basically had a big castle. And in the bottom tier of their end, they must have been the home team for this. It it was empty. And at the back of that tier was where the castle door was. And I remember we were all there thinking, have Inter just not sold any tickets for the, the bottom tier? Like, that's dreadful. But then a couple of minutes before kickoff, the castle doors opened and a load of the ultras walked out waving flags. And it's just one of the most incredibly impressive things I've seen at a football match before. So I really, really appreciate it. But what a game on the pitch as well. Absolute madness and incredible experience to be at it. I've been to a couple of derbies before, but this one was definitely the best of the bunch. Uh, I've I've seen a draw. I've seen Inter win one and I've seen Milan win one now. And I, I think that's the three that I've been to. So what an experience that was. But a crazy experience for very different reasons came on Sunday night. It was the last game of the weekend. There are still those three games to come on. Monday, of course, but Ewan Burns is already wincing thinking about this one. So, Kevin, let him catch his breath. Udinese 4, Roma 0. What on earth happened here? Well, I think we'll be doing a disservice if we don't say that Udinese were were, were brilliant, certainly in, in spells. The, the, goal, the first two goals came from individual mistakes, which I said when um, Karlsdorp attempted to chest the ball back to Patricio, and Udoji got in and sort of just fired past past him, that he'd be off at half-time and he was off at half-time. Although I was a little concerned at the start because I could only see Belotti on the sideline. I thought, oh, he's, come, he's coming on to play right wing-back and it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. No. Um, but uh, And then um, the, the shot from range that Patricio probably could have done better with for the second, it was it, it bounced just in front of him, but you, you'd really expect a keeper of his quality to do a little bit better of it. But they just didn't show up. They were out four when Mancini's throwing stupid challenges around. You know, he's a little rattled. And there wasn't there wasn't particularly anybody there that, you know, seemed to have roughed him up. But uh, Pereira had a, a brilliant game for Udinese. He, he had a hand in that, that opening goal. He, he um, fired in a, a sort of delightful left foot, curling effort for the third. And then crossed or cut back for Lovrich's. Uh, to put the sort of seal on it for a four 0 and yeah, Roma just weren't at it, and we kind of spoke on the preview that this could be where you know Mourinho slips up, but um, he took he took a lot of the blame for it. But I think secretly he will uh, not have been enjoying the individual mistakes that his players made. Well, he th- that was one of the things he commented on after the game, right? He said that if if his individuals make mistakes, it's it's a team mistake, and that in extension is is his mistake because he's the coach so he did front up and take responsibility for it but Ewan why what is it at Roma that just makes it seem like they're always capable of doing something like this I don't know I feel like this game this evening was some sort of bizarre perfect storm where like I've said they, they weren't at it so that's the first yeah this isn't in defense of them they weren't at it and then you got a situation where the first two goals are so individual, where Karlsdorp is mad, and then you know Patricio just lets it through, and, and you, you, you're two 0 down. So obviously they weren't playing well anyway, but those those are not normal goals. And then then you chuck into the mix that um, 
Udinese suddenly go and score two absolutely fantastic goals, especially the second, the, the fourth goal in the game. It was such a brilliant goal with so many players involved. And it was just like everything that could have gone wrong basically did. And, you know, like I say, the primary thing that went wrong is that they weren't at it and Roma were not good. Um, but, you know, the, the, the first two goals were really bizarre. Do you feel a bit for Chris Smalling and Tammy Abraham because Gareth Southgate was there to watch? I mean, they're, they're not always like this, Gareth. They're usually quite good. It's a random choice, isn't it? It's um, He's had to like go to Udine as well. That's the thing. If, if I'm not going to slag off the place. I've not been. But, like... It's. I've, there are other places in in Italy that I've got higher on a list of places to go, <laughs> and oh. I feel like I'm not saying Southgate has that list, but if I'm going to go to Italy to try and watch some of the Roma players, I might wait for a home game. Really, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I suspect he went to Milan because of Tamori, but mm. but uh, Udinese. I've been I've been to Udinese, and it is it is lovely. It's kind of quiet and and small and whatnot, but. It's just getting there that's the pain in the this is it. behind. This is it. It's not the place, it's the, actually just the travel. It takes 10 hours to get to Udine from anywhere in Italy, even from the outskirts of Udine. It's a ridiculous place. It's a nightmare to get to. And to be honest with you, that's the reason I want them gone out of Serie A more than anything else, because it seems like you could get there easily. You can't. It's a disaster. There's a reason I've only been there once in the four years that I've been living in Italy, let me tell you. But... Bezo, oh no, Ewan wants to pop up. Come on, what do you want? Sorry, just briefly. I feel like I've talked about this before and this is, I'm pretty sure, a fairly well-known thing. But those quotes from Mourinho, especially the thing, um, I can't remember if you said it, about him saying that he thought Dybala was still man of the match. Um, it's that That's an extreme Mourinhoism in the set with this sort of, you know, he, he, he does that thing of making everyone talk about him, basically, because he said something a bit mad, or not mad as such, but odd. And but it, most yeah, coaches of, do this because yeah, Dybala was awful. Like, yeah, I feel like it's always been a bit more evident with him. He like they all do it to an extent, and they try and like take blame publicly and all that sort of stuff. But he'll say something quite odd, like this Dybala thing, where Dybala was quite obviously not man of the match. I don't. I think it's just because people talk about Mourinho more. I don't think he actually does it any more than other coaches. But people just love talking about him. Um, you saw, I don't know if you did see, but I'm sure a lot of listeners will have seen the all or nothing Arsenal one, right? And every time Arsenal mess up, the last thing Arteta says to them in the dressing rooms, I'll take this, guys. Like, I'll go in front of the press and I'll, I'll do something. I'll say something. I'll I'll take it. So they all know what they're doing. It's just that Mourinho's a bit funnier. You don't tell your players that, though, do you? I'm sure they do. You do it You do it by stealth. You, you, know, you, don't, you don't say... I thought you were absolute dog shit out there. No, but, but that's that's but exactly the point. Right? Because if you don't tell the players, then they think, oh, the the coach thinks we were all right. But if you go in and tell them, look, give them a bollocking because they, they kind of need it, and then just go and take it to to the press because the press don't need to know what's really going on in the dressing room. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I think it's like more sub, so, yeah, more. Less uh, obvious from Mourinho, but never mind. Talk about Udinese, Vito. Come on. They've got three wins in a week. They're looking good. Yeah, it's quite incredible that Udinese, out of all teams, are having an incredible start to the season. They've just hired uh, Andrea Soto as the coach. 
who was previously at Ascoli in Serie B. So the Friulani, they have a Serie A novice at the moment, and uh, they're flying high. But uh, what I'll also say is that, you know, Marco Silvestri is a good goalkeeper for them. And in the last few years, they've just hired coaches that just play 3-5-2. So the players are familiar with that formation. And there's often a big turnover of players every year. But uh, it's pretty much the same system they really stick with. And uh, they still got Beto, the Portuguese striker. They've got uh, De La Feu. And uh, like it was mentioned before, uh, Roberto Pereira, he offers a lot of experience and he had a good game as well. So to have those three still there is good. And uh, Udoji, although Tottenham had purchased him, he was able to stay in Udineo on loan. And I think that will help with his growth because he's just an excellent player to watch when he's just running down that left wing and he gets in a position to either supply a cross or even take a shot himself. So um, it's a pretty good start. So far, so good. Um, could be a good case of them eventually dropping off as the season progresses, but uh, it is a better start than what they've had in previous years, to be honest. Usually they're quite slow mm-hmm. starters or they look like they're really struggling and then mid-season they suddenly avoid the drop. It is really odd, right? This is their like January, February form. They're just doing it at the start of the season. But when you list those players, they've got a decent squad, right? They've got players that are probably trying to get moves as well. You know, that they're trying to step up into the into the European clubs. And Kev, do you think that Udinese might be one of those weird teams that are able to just surprise a few more between now and the end of the season? Yeah, and I think uh, one reason for that as well is the World Cup. So, you know, the the sides that haven't got the, if you like, the big name players, they won't have the majority of their squad disappearing. So if they, if they get a lot of points on the board now to sort of not necessarily just take away the, any relegation um, concerns, but if they get themselves into a sort of good mid-table position and they can have a month of solidly focusing on some training for the games afterwards and then have a little sort of nudge up the table again. So yeah, they could be a they could be a surprise challenger for maybe sort of a Europa conference place. They're gonna be around for another year in Serie A. I think it's pretty clear. If they got relegated from here it would be remarkable entertainment though, let's be honest. Um the big game on Saturday night after the derby, I mean they somehow managed to squeeze in another good game on Saturday evening. Lazio won Napoli two. He's done it again. Kevin. What's his name? Well, I prefer your name, Cavaradonna, so I'll go with Cavaradonna. <laughs> okay, Can we just do that? Uh, Cavaradshelia, isn't it? And, uh, More or less. Yeah, it, I, I tell you what, you, you mentioned before we came on about Alistair uh, McKenzie sort of saying how good he was and he's now convinced that there's sort of some longevity in the quality that he's showing in his start to Syria. Um and I love the rolled down socks. I don't know if that makes me think that he's even better than what he is because of the rolled down socks. Because I spotted that Zielinski started playing with rolled down socks as well this season. There's something about players with rolled down socks that just look like they're they're more. There's a bit more mystique there. Um, but yeah, he's he's having a he's having a wonderful start to the to the season, and it just looks like because yeah, I'll be going. I'll be, on, I'll be in um, Napoli on Wednesday for the Champions League game against Liverpool. So. 
Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. And, and as they've announced that we're getting picked up uh, on the coaches to go to the um, Stadio Diego Armando Maradona mm. five hours before the game, I'll get to see a lot of him in the training Aye. before the game as well. So um, I think I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I saw well, you in more replies. I'm having a moan. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know how they're managing that because we're only getting in at 3pm because we're flying into Rome and then getting the train down. So if they want us to be... Uh, checked in at our hotel and then at the port for 4 p.m. Uh, Italian time. Um, they're gonna they're gonna struggle. Do you mean Do you you're landing in Rome at three? No, I'm landing. I'm I'm estimating how long it will take to get across and get a train. Oh, okay. So we we think we'll probably get into Naples about about 3 p.m. But yeah, uh, five hours is extreme even by Neapolitan standards of previous games. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because. You know, off the left, you know, because of the way Liverpool play, uh, there's a lot of space behind uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I don't think it's a failing of the individual. I think it's more how Klopp wants to set that side up with space in between either fullback. So even if he, if he, if he switched over to the other side, I think he'll get quite a bit of joy against Liverpool. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do in the flesh. You were talking about Roldan Socks, Kev, and it's it's got me thinking about something along those lines remind me to come back to this at the end of the podcast please guys because i do want to have a bit of a discussion about it and get your thoughts because i think my opinion has changed in recent years but we'll talk about this game a little bit more you're right alistair mckenzie was at this game for us i was talking to him during the night i was on the train back from milan and we were exchanging messages and he was just i mean he was just piling praise on to faraskelia because and i was still kind of taking that point like yeah but still very early isn't it and he just said he is ridiculous what a freak he's crazy <laughs> and then he went into a little bit more detail about some of the footwork he shows how he uses space how he managed to is to exploit the other team and i've got to be honest i trust alistair a little more than i trust most people so I'm going to take his word for it until I get to see him live in the flesh myself. I think what I find so mad about him is that, like, you mentioned the footwork and stuff there, which is incredible and the tight control and stuff, but it's simultaneously with that, the power that he possesses just as a guy, but then also how he shoots. What happened with that goal? Like, where did the ball actually go? Because it seemed to just leave his foot and hit the net. And it couldn't work out. Was it top corner? Was it straight at the goalkeeper? Was it a little bit to the side? I thought it was just sort of part way up and across, if you know what I mean. You just sent it the wrong way. Right. Rather but, than anywhere mad. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of the point, right? It wasn't this unstoppable shot in terms of placement. He just leathered it. He's, weirdly, he, he scored that goal, but it wasn't the most impressive thing he did in the game. It was the the non goal that he did with yeah the the, the the pirouette and then the the shot which that's kind of what I'm talking about with the power where he does this pirouette in the middle of the pitch which is perfectly executed and then just leathers the ball like no one ever has and it hits the post and that was upsetting. Do we have a a contender for Rafael Leao's throne as being the most fun player in Serie A? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think that's. Um, too quick to say necessarily okay Vito Lazio were very lucky I know they came out of this with a 2-1 loss but they were fortunate lot to have lost by a whole lot more well it's very true because uh, like Ewan was saying 
Kvaratskhelia had that excellent chance. And uh, that would, for me, that would have been a contender for goal of the season. I mean, just those turns were superb and, and the shot. It's one, you could say it was one of those great nearly goals because uh, that was an incredible attempt. He could have scored another one before he eventually did score the winning goal. And there were several other chances that Napoli had too that they probably should have put away. And uh, if you look at the play, uh, Napoli had a lot more possession as well. And all Lazio really had to show for that game was that Zaccagni goal. That was pretty much about all. But Napoli were well in control of the play. Girona had far more chances. And uh, in recent years, uh, Napoli have shown that they can actually tear Lazio apart. So um, there were other games where the Partenal Pay have shown that they can actually dismount them, dismantle them, and you see the score and you think that's a fair reflection. Whereas this game, yeah, just at two one, it clearly doesn't reflect on the dominance of uh, Napoli in this particular encounter. It's a really weird one, right? Because Napoli were so good on Saturday night, but then Lazio were so good when they played against Inter. Milan were so good at the weekend, but then they were a bit rubbish at Sassuolo. All of the teams at the top have shown little flashes of what they're capable of. But then at the same time, Ewan, everybody except for Atalanta, but they'll join this group on Monday, everyone has dropped points at least twice. We're only five games into the season. Yeah, and I think it's fantastic. It's it's horrible in terms of when we sit and do the per the um, preview show or... And when we're getting us. paid to write previews and give when... <laughs> expert insight to what's going to happen. When you're specifically asked and not quite contracted, but basically contracted to decide what's going to happen in the games, it can get very difficult because... Um, oh, do you know what, actually? Self-praise coming up. Oh, here we go. Do you remember what I said the score would be in the Milan derby? Did, did you, I'm <laughs> guessing you're asking because you said 3-2. Yeah, yeah, not one nil. Um, yeah, I said three two to Milan. So well I get. I, I, I did say a one goal margin. Right, we're sitting here in the thirty eighth minute of this podcast. We started <laughs> with the derby, and now you two are ringing up how good you are. If you want to get, if you want to get your predictions out, Kev, we'll talk about last week when you said there'd be three away wins and there were none. Well, yeah, but on my actual predictions, I did with somebody else. <laughs> I've got I've, I've got a 66% success rate at the moment. Actually, it's probably gone up because I think I had a clean sweep last week. Fair play. So, That's mm. very good going. Ewan, Ewan's been doing the predictions for a year now and he's not got a clean sweep once. <laughs> no, that's true. I, I got four out of five on the first weekend this season. You did. I was very impressed. I was very impressed by that. But guys, what's happening at the top? Is everyone just rubbish? Is that what's happening? Or is everyone just brilliant like the bad teams are brilliant i think it's probably that everyone's not very good right uh, nodding yeah, doesn't really a, work on podcasts there, there, there isn't a there isn't a you know we, we we've been we've suffered juventus being a good couple of goals ahead of most of the other opposition for to so many years and the fact that they all feel like they're a goal or two between let's say the top sort of five or six clubs now is, is quite nice because you do go in to the games with that uncertainty of, oh, they could turn them over, whereas it was kind of, they could, but Juventus will eventually grind them down 
and they'll 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 beat sort of sixty percent of the rest of the league anyway. So that's your that's that's kind of your champion. So um, I think there has been a slight reduction in the sides to what Juventus how Juventus used to dominate, but that's probably well certainly a good thing. But it's probably they were just freakishly too strong. Whereas now this is probably you know Juventus are at the, at the level Milan and Inter are or nearly, um, and, and it makes for a more exciting championship. You and we picked it up on the preview podcast. Fiorentina Juventus finished one one, and it was a little bit stinky. Yeah, um, also I only caught about the second half. But what was bizarre about this was in That's that second bit. half. Well, yeah, but in that second half, Juve, like I appreciate it's not the way they play to be swashbuckling and mm. high octane and all that. But Jesus Christ, like they, <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't want to score a goal. <laughs> it was it was only because Fiorentina seemed fairly inept themselves. Like they had all of the ball, but they, it still never really felt like they were going to score. Um, it was like it almost just felt like they were all just con- contractually obliged to run around for the next forty-five minutes, and at no point was anyone actually going to stick the ball in the net or try and do something. Which it's annoying because there are players there who can do that stuff, but there's it, you know I don't like saying this about Fiorentina, but they they they've not seemingly apart from, I think the opening day they won like three two, didn't they? Whatever, but they've not been very entertaining so far this season. I think with Fiorentina's play, it's more a case of uh, style over substance. They'll make all these passing patterns and all that, but uh, they're not clinical enough or they're not as uh, decisive as they should be. Perhaps if uh, Jovic uh, had converted that penalty, that might have changed the complexion of the game. And uh, to be fair, uh, if there was going to be a winner, it should have been Fiorentina because... After Arkadiusz Schmilik scored the opening goal, Juve offered very little as an offensive threat. Like Ewan said, you don't expect uh, Juventus under Allegri to put on a show, but they didn't even look like they were going to put in a few quick counterattacks or anything like that. Uh, if there was going to be a winner, uh, you would have thought it would have been the Viola and they would have been far more deserving because for all the players... Juve still have the spot or the injuries they've got to deal with. On paper, they should have been putting more of a contest in. And yeah, it was just, uh, unfortunately, another insipid performance from the Bianconeri. Did you see the, the, the chance that was wasted by McKenny though, just before Fiorentina scored? Even as a non-Juventus fan, I was fuming. It's like he literally re- receives the ball inside the area, just to the right, or as you're looking at it, of the goal. And he needs to shoot. He tries to pass to someone. The pass is so bad, I'm not actually sure who he's trying to pass to. Fiorentina did sort of scramble out for a corner. And then Fiorentina score from the counter that comes from the corner. And you're thinking that that would have put Juve 2-0 head. And say the way Fiorentina have been in front of goal the last few weeks, you would have thought they could have rode that out then for you know relatively comfortable three points. And it was just oh, it was it was I say it was infuriating as a non-fan, um, let alone how Allegri and the Juventus sort of were feeling at that moment. I was just thinking there, are Juventus playing Sampdoria next week? Because I thought you were getting into Juventus supporting mood, but obviously they played <laughs> each other very very recently. So you're just trying to, I don't know what you're you're playing at here, Kev, this week. No, well, well, yeah, because they got PSG, haven't they? I think uh, Juve in the week, but. 
No, I was just, I don't know. And I think it was just because it was McKenny as well. It seems like he's he's just devoid of confidence of what we saw when he first came into the to the league. But it was it was a, it was a strange decision. Um, he might have just to had that. to have started adopting espresso into his diet, and we know what he says that does to him. So, well, he certainly is. yeah, because he himself in front of goal. Can we just can no. we just take a moment to remember that? Quote, do you like coffee, Italian coffee? No. If I drink espresso, I shit myself. Like, incredible. Incredible comments when you're meeting he's, your new team. He's not alone, is he? You, um, what, to shit himself, Ewan. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's taken it to an extreme there, but in terms of, you know, the, the school of thought isn't flawed. <laughs> there are a lot of people that it affects in that way, just not, not quite as instantaneous as it seems to affect Western but he's saying this at a table where he goes on to say that he puts ranch dressing on his pizza. Now, yeah, see, that's worse than saying he shits himself on almost on demand, I think. Favourite bit of it, Mary Demiral's face. And then a couple of months <laughs> later, he's off to Atlanta. I wonder if the two things are connected. And Buffon leaves for Parma. Chiellini's now gone. He's driven everyone in that scene out of the club. But Club's I, gone. Game's I, gone. I quite like McKenny, and I don't really know why, and it drives me mad, but I do. Um, nicest story of the week, perhaps. Verona 2, Bologna 1, Josh Doig getting the goal, and it turned out the goal, the, the second goal, which turned out to be the winner, I should say, and it turned out that it was his dad's birthday, and his parents were in Verona for the game. And now they're heading out for a lovely dinner in Verona this evening. What a story that is. Cute. It's, it's nice, lovely. isn't it? Yeah, it's very lovely. It, it can't, all... e- can't even be ruined by the official Serie A account tweeting out Doigberto Carlos. With a picture of him celebrating. Yeah, because I just, I, just, I just responded, no. No, they didn't. I'm going yes. to find that tweet now. Do Did I say yes. Verona played Bologna, by the way? They obviously played against Sampdoria. Vito is probably trying to spare you there, but now, um, now it's worse. They've been at it, haven't they, that account? I, I know it's a running theme, but I think they, they, it's been different this season where they've got a new admin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Maybe I've just not been paying as close attention as you, but I feel like I've not noticed as many English mistakes. No, 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 actually. because the, no, the, the admin the now speaks weird. English. It, it's right. a company who speak English, but I think... So you've won, basically. But That's no, what I'm hearing. I've not won, <laughs> because now they're just trying too hard, and it's really bad again, but for different reasons. I don't like that. <laughs> they, didn't they do... They did something before the Milan game, didn't they? Before the derby, didn't they? They're fucking wrestling. This isn't the Patreon part. Yeah, the the wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> and it was terrible. It wasn't even like a good wrestling graphic. Doig Berto Carlos. Oh my god, I'm looking at her now. It was. It, it was. He was six yards right out, and it was an open goal. Like <laughs> it was his right foot. That is disgraceful. I think he had a couple of he had a couple of drives that were saved. With his left foot, but even then, I'm thinking that's not what Roberto Carlos used to do. He used to run around a lot, smash a few free kicks into walls, and <laughs> and yeah, Roberto Carlos and, scored that goal. Something's gone yeah. wrong. He was Roberto Carlos's brand was bigger than his talent, personally. Um, 
I do you want to know some link to Roberto Carlos, which I'm pretty sure you all know, but I'll just remind you that he recently, well, within this calendar year, played for a pub team down the road from my parents' house in Shrewsbury. Oh, I didn't realise that's where it was, but uh, I did <laughs> see that. that's where it was either, to um, be honest with you. Can I, can I just warn listeners that a biblical thunderstorm has just started outside my house, and really? I don't know what's being picked up, but the, 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 the window next to me is getting peppered with rain, and there is lightning, and there is thunder. So if any of that Ooh. gets picked up later, um, it wasn't me breaking wind or anything it was legitimate <laughs> thunder see i believed you about the storm until you tried to excuse yourself for something that you yeah. quite regularly I should, I, I should put a photo up on social media for everybody oh there you are there's a flash what, sorry a i shouldn't be reacting rain. like i'm some sort of pet yeah uh, pet. It, this is outrageous stuff out yeah. about it makes it. strange for you to be bringing the noise with your environment rather than the there's, there's not been any bin noise so far no there has there, there were bottles literally within the last five minutes <laughs> the <laughs> Maybe I, just, I just mentally tune it out now yeah <laughs> and you were speaking because you only ever speak when the bottles are being done um <laughs> kev you must be pleased because cremonese sassuolo finished nil nil and you weren't there despite wanting to be yeah, I forgot I was, you know, this was the weekend where everything would have lined up quite nicely for me. It was a terrible game in, in, in a similar way to Lazio. Uh, sorry, not Lazio, Fiorentina, Juve. I think it gets that early kickoff just, I don't know, it, it just does something to players. In every country, the early kickoff just seems to sort of produce turgid football. So, yeah, it was quite nice I wasn't there. But I've got a feeling Vito is going to bring up something that was quite nice about the game. Uh, probably the nicest thing about the game was, in fact, seeing Gianluca Vialli in the stands. Exactly being Cremona, that. Being a Cremona boy, and uh, he had the whole Grigio Rossi, the grey and red colour scheme going. So that was a nice gesture to see, you know, his hometown club play and where he started his football career before going on to Sampdoria, Juve and Chelsea. So that was the nice aspect. As for the game itself, you can tell Sassuolo are missing something without Berardi on the pitch. And Cremonese, they defended well, but uh, I'm not liking this Cyril Dessas that's up front for Cremonese. He shoots at the wrong time, and he goes offside more times than people in Zaghi. I mean, <laughs> he needs a lot of improvement. Is he your new uh, target for this season? Now that Edgar Barreto's not knocking about to the same extent, there's a few of them that have left. If I keep watching more Cremonese games in the future and he keeps springing offside, then it's looking that way. That's the Europa Conference League finalist. Dessas you're talking about there. Have some damn respect. <laughs> I think there's a clear reason why he was on the losing side. <laughs> After all, that's why someone like Zaniol's at Roma and Dessas is only at Cremonese, with all due respect to the Grigiorossi. That was he really got a Vialio Lombardo like 30 years ago. <laughs> you can't say that just to get past the disrespect. <laughs> the, the evident disrespect. He was, he was a little unfortunate with the goal that was disallowed. Will you do stop teaming up against Vito that, this week? It wasn't. It, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. it, you know, he wasn't expecting it to come like back over the top of the, the defence so quickly because he was kind of he was going back after a, a, a previous attack. But yeah. Look at you two. Look at you two sitting there in your Verona shirts, disgusting what you're doing this week. Disgusting. 
Well, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's reminding me I need to reminding me I need to maintain my diet that I'm on at the moment. So it's, doing, it's, it's having one positive impact sorry, on my the, life. The second disgusting really gets you there, Kev. Sorry. Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, Kev, Marko and Autovic have started the season really well. Ledge. Spezia, Ledge. Of, oh, Spezia of Bologna finished two two, and you've got a weird thing for Marko and Autovic, despite him being not a very good striker and. A little bit overrated. Oh, I, I kind of agree he's overrated, but I always found him quite, quite pleasing to watch, just because mm. he is a very talented player. And and also, there's the other side of him where he's a bit of an ass, a bit. And that's he's, and that's he's also on, fun. He's in the Silvio Berlusconi yeah. school of yeah. arseholes. But there's entertainment, and Berlusconi would love him because there's entertainment there. He'd probably he'd probably see Arnautovic and go, I could sell that. Whether I'm selling the good element, the bad element, or whatever, and he's. Uh, at Bologna, it's quite good because they're an inconsistent side. So you've got an inconsistent player, but you've got an extremely naturally talented, consistent player. And I think he'll have a he'll have a good, solid season for this year. Maybe, you know, you said he won't hit 10. Oh, I reckon he could get close to 15, somewhere between 10 and 15 goals a season, considering how he started. Kind of just said that to wind you up, but let's oh, go with it. Let's go with it. But if I'm being serious, he won't score more no let's do the magic number the Qualiorella number 13 if he gets 13 you win 12 I win yep fine dinner right. on you let's take it you never bought me that lunch by the way so I dinner offered. on me yeah sure no um, actually no oh let's get into this after because yeah we'll get into it if you want <laughs> you didn't buy Go me on. the lunch but Marco right. Anatovic has tattoos so he would never fit in in a Salvia Berlusconi team because apparently tattoos mean that you're not you're vagrant when it comes <laughs> of what? And cut your hair. <laughs> He's got good hair, doesn't he? The hair fits. Uh, it's nice and short. It's short it's fascinating yeah. that that's where that man draws the line, isn't it? Weird, isn't it? Yeah. Weird. Of all the things. Yeah. Of like... all the things he gets up to, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. Um, Don't do as I do, do as I tell you. Don't need to say allegedly with Silvio, do we? Documented. Yeah. We know it. <laughs> we know it's happened. Yeah. Um, Monday you might night... need to provide a reference at the end of this part <laughs> before you get sued. Monday night we've got three games. Monza, Atalanta. Atalanta can go top, but what's really going to happen there is Monza will get a point or three um, to go off bottom and pick up their first points of the season. Salernitana host Empoli and Torino host Lecce. Patrons, we'll be back to speak to you several times throughout this week. Non-patrons, if you want us to speak to you several times throughout this week, for example, in written form on Wednesday, in podcast form on Thursday, in podcast form on Friday, and also in podcast form for women's football, which you and I need to arrange because I'm going to a game on Tuesday, which is basically says if Italy will qualify for the World Cup. So we'd normally release that on Tuesday. You might get a double post on Wednesday just to come as an extra treat so it's patreon.com slash total italian football and you can sign up there for two five or ten euro a month we've had a lot of new patrons so far this month so thank you for everyone who has signed up a lot of people get involved in the interactions as well so we really really appreciate it comment like all appreciated guys sign up on patreon we love you more than the regular listeners but regular listeners you're okay too we will speak to you during the week goodbye kev say goodbye goodbye everybody that'll do Bye, everybody.
thunder and lightning is still going off. It's good. Yeah, you'll see it. I'll turn the light off for you. 